dun, 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 dun. Sliding his way onto the screen and into our hearts, this Tom Cruise-led film, Risky Business, came out way back in 1983, nearly 40 years ago. In the early 80s, teen sex comedies were huge thanks in part to the massive successes of films like Animal House and Porky's. Many, many teen sex comedies would continue to get made throughout the 80s, but Paul Brickman's Risky Business stands out amongst them due to its darker and more cynical spin on the genre. Choosing to focus on the deeper morality of the coming-of-age story elevated this film above most of its contemporaries without losing any of its stylish fun. So let's take those old records off the shelf and say, what the fuck? As we ask the question, Risky Business, what's it about? I'm your host, Ricardo Blade Diaz. And I'm Seth Crow. <laughs> Jesus, trying to, trying to kill me. That was so loud. <laughs> And this is the What's It About Film Podcast, the show where two aspiring creatives aim to glean the meaning of it all through the media we consume, holding a mirror up to ourselves and asking the question, holding a mirror up to ourselves, you got me all thrown off, (laughs) holding a mirror up to ourselves and seeing how it reflects in our own lives. Seth, I wish everybody could see you right now. (laughs) Hey, one day the video will be released. We're... (laughs) Were, were you were you trying to do the in the air tonight drum fill? That's the only like forget forget uh uh old time old rock time and roll rock and roll. Forget that. No, the in the air tonight is the only music that matters in this movie. This movie has some great, I mean, this movie is 80s galore when it comes to music, even though like a lot of that music is 70 because this came out in 83. So a lot of that music was like even earlier than that. But like at moments you hear like every breath you take by the police is in the background of like the cards playing scene. And the whole film is uh, scored by uh, Tangerine Dream. I mean, their score is something else. We'll get into it later, but. let, Let me just check in real quick. Okay. Yeah. I know that I'm partial to this film. Uh-huh. I know that it's in my top five favorite movies. Uh-huh. But this movie is a really good movie. Is it uh-huh. not? I mean, would you not say this movie is like at least very good? Well, yeah, it's really good. It's a really good movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to play. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. it's a really good I mean, movie. It's, it's not. I mean, I can understand why it wouldn't be somebody's favorite movie. It, it is. It is in my top five mm-hmm. favorite films, but uh, it's just so, like it's artistically sound. This movie, well, is not, artistically yeah, you know what? Well, that's that's what makes this. And I, and I touched on it a little bit in that intro. It's it is that fun and stylish teen sex comedy. It is that. It has a lot of that shenanigans going on, but it but, grows up exactly. But it takes such a more deep and a little bit (laughs) deep and darker look at what it actually goes on during that time and what does all that stuff kind of mean um and and definitely takes a realistic is not the right word but takes a more practic pragmatic look at like what these types of behaviors can lead to which i think is interesting what they can yield exactly you know like 
I mean, this is to be frank. I think it's fitting that this is our first night cast. Like this yeah, is the first true. time that we have done a podcast at night, and I'm wearing sunglasses. Let's just put it that way. He so... wears sunglasses at night. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> another '80s song. Um, yeah. But yes, I think it, what's crazy about this movie it is it is fun. It's weird. It's kind of bizarre in a lot of ways. There's some like interesting like symbolism and like artistic choices, some like metaphors that go on in this movie visually that I think just add a, a very different. It does. It elevates it. It is elevated above like other teen sex comedy dramas. Yes, but. but Amen. We're off the rails. <laughs> well, just real quick. I think. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who cares? <laughs> We're at night, baby. <laughs> I can feel it coming <laughs> in the air tonight. Um. <laughs> no, but I, you're right. It is a good movie. It's good. It's entertaining. It's thoughtful. It's artistic. I will say, like, when I look at it, Movies are just like written differently nowadays, like the, as far as like structure goes. Yeah. I will say a lot of like the resolution happens in the last 30 minutes. Like the like kind of more interesting part of the movie kind of yeah. happens in the last 30 minutes. I, so it's like I, it's I, just like backloaded. I disagree with that. That's fair. I or that. I guess the flashier part of the movie happens the, in like the, the last. The major action happens yeah. in the last half hour. Yeah, but the the rest is a motif on what it's like to be a teenager. Exactly, you know? it's a, it's about it's a, it's about growing up. But I and mean, you grow, more specifically, and, yeah. and 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 really, really, you grow up like, yeah, in you an grow instant. Up in an instant. Yes, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. So yeah. yes, we are talking about 1983's Risky Business today, uh, an iconic film. I mean, if you don't know exactly what movie we're talking about, just think of that classic. Tom Cruise scene where he slides into frame in his pink button up and in his underwear and, and white socks. And you hear that old, the classic dun, 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 dun. Uh, and like, you, old yeah. even if you don't know the movie, you know, that scene <laughs> for sure. That's um, when he became a sex symbol. He became exactly. a sex symbol because of this. Yes, film. yes he did. Those thighs. And those thighs. And I guess <laughs> I iconic film to be certain. Um, but let's talk about real quick before we get into what it's about. Let's talk real quick about how it came to be. So uh, this film is written and directed by Paul Brickman. Um, Paul Brickman uh, wrote things like the bad news bears in breaking training, uh, which is like a sequel to the bad news bears handle with care deal of the century. Men don't leave true crime and uprising. Uh, and the only other uh, film uh, that is credited to him as a director is Men Don't Leave, another film that he also wrote. However, Paul Brickman wow. has not has not I know Paul Brickman has not produced, written, or directed anything new uh, since uh, his 2012 short film Allison. So he just has kind of been off the map for the last ten years. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. But he's not he's not done much at all. No, very strange. Uh, I didn't really look more into like what he's done, like posts, like directing things like that. But um, yeah, he hasn't really been very hands on with much since uh, like the early 2010s. Mm -hmm. Wow, um, he's talented. He's talented for somebody. Yes, that yes, very very talented. Uh, and this film is really really. And he wrote he wrote and directed this film, and it's pretty pretty solid. Um, 
Uh, yes, as Seth mentioned, this film is widely considered to be Tom Cruise's breakout film. Uh, he had done things like The Outsiders, Taps uh, before this, things like that, some small roles in, um, in some other things. Uh, but uh, this is like his big first role uh, as like the leading symbol. Uh, and it definitely broke him out. Other people who auditioned for this role are Sean Penn, Gary Sinise, Kevin Bacon, John Cusack, Nicolas Cage, Michael Jake Fox, and Tom Hanks, and many more. Um, Rob Lowe wow. even claimed to have turned down the role because he thought the script was, as he quotes in his autobiography, weird. <laughs> Tom yes. Hanks? That's, that's what it said. That's when I looked it up. That was one of the sources. Tom Hanks. That seems a stretch. I, I mean, like... Well, he, back then, that's a little bit too old. He had to be a little too old. For... Well, Tom Cruise in this it was in his twenties when he did this. They had yeah, him. He looks. He looks nineteen. He looks, well. So looks so they weird. apparently they had him lose ten pounds, like work out and lose ten pounds, and then they had him eat like a really fatty diet to like gain like baby like baby fat basically, like oh. look like he has like so like baby fat, um, to kind of young him up a little bit. But he was in his twenties, um, and. Oh my gosh, his friend Miles, Curtis, um, Curtis, what's the name of that actor? Curtis McDonald or Curtis some, something or other? Yeah, I don't know, but he's one of my favorite things in this movie. Curtis Armstrong. He's so good. Miles is oh, he's great. so good in this movie. Uh, Curtis Armstrong was 28 when he played Miles. He's playing an 18-year-old. He was 28. So They sold um, it. I bought it. No, he, d- he did look young. He looks young yeah. enough. I mean, I personally played a tw- an 17, 18-year-old when I was 28 last year, 29. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it uh, definitely isn't unheard of. Um, I mean, if you can pull it off, like power to you, as long as you're not like taking roles away from young up and comers, like like established actors shouldn't maybe shouldn't be doing that. Like maybe let young up and coming yeah. actors play those roles. But for people like me who still need work, like let me have it, guys. Don't don't get mad at me. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah this film grossed. Sixty-three million dollars world uh, worldwide on a six million dollar budget in the early eighties. So with in, with inflation, probably close to over a hundred million. Wow! So pretty pretty good. <laughs> yeah, um, it's no Roger Rabbit, but it costs nothing no. to make. Yeah, no, very cheap, very cheap. Uh, uh, I'm, I assume maybe like the soundtrack and might have been like the most expensive thing about this movie because yeah. they've got a lot of bangers but then again i don't know how much like licensing was back then like if it was cheaper because nowadays licensing is expensive i don't i don't know i don't know where i remember this from this is maybe fake news but i remember like the thing they spent the most money on in this movie was that rock song uh uh, in the air tonight or bob seger yeah uh bob seger like him sliding in you know what's funny that scene was improvised well so it's, so like I, I, in the script it says like he Joel comes in dancing to rock music and I think on set like I think uh, Tom Cruise or somebody put on that song and he improvises that whole like I think sequence. that's why I think I, I'm not they, I'm not they probably I, did I'm it on scene as a whim and they like we have to get we have to get that yeah, song I, and not, so Seeger I bet it was like we can we can take him for for a lot maybe I just remember I just remember like watching like VH1 or something like that a long time mm-hmm. ago and and like remembering that. There, this like I said, I might be making this up. You can look it up. All our we'll, fans, we'll cite um, our sources later. We don't claim yeah. to be historians. Yeah, but what what I remember is is that that 
song was the most expensive thing about proportionally proportionally very cool i yeah i would think so i mean like i said music licensing especially for big songs like bob seger's huge star you know especially back then yeah um you know crazy um i'm sure it was very expensive especially if they already had already shot it and they're like hey like we really need this in the movie like we're not adding in later it's like on film i'm sure he was able to like milk it you know grab them by the short hairs as it is you know as it were um (laughs) uh but yeah just to keep going through here uh are those actual ray-bans you're wearing those for real actually do you want to know do you know what they actually are uh gucci they're critter sunglasses oh critter uh, which is a friend of the show yeah we're uh uh critter has is a um uh a rock band that has provided Ricky and I music for pro, uh, productions in the past. And uh, they have just recently sent me some merch. So check out Critter. That's K-R-Y-T-T-R. Uh, it's a little bit... Uh, no, I'm sorry. Let me let me, let me say it again. K-R-Y-T-T... Nope. This is my <laughs> biggest problem. Let me say it one more time. K-R-T-T... Y R K R T T Y R on Apple Music or Spotify or anywhere you can find music. But they're great. They're yes, they are band great. name is hard to spell. But, but yeah, honestly, incredible. once people know what who they're looking for, very easy to find. No one else yes. with that name. Yes. Exactly. Speaking of which, we'll go ahead and we'll we'll shout out Critter in our uh description of this episode so you guys can find them. Uh yeah, they are they're great. They provide us with a lot of music. Honestly, you know what? Why we should ask them to maybe like make some like music for this this show. If they wanted That'd to be like cool. let or lend something to us like for theme or for outro or something yeah. like that. That'd be yeah. awesome. Let's I let's mean, reach out to them. I love them. They're great. For sure. Um, and hopefully we don't have to pay out the butt like they did for music in this movie. <laughs> Speaking of Ray-Bans, the reason why I asked is because uh, this film is credited with helping the sales of Ray-Ban Wayfarers go up by 2,000% that year. Forever. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. This, this and Blues this Brothers. Made insane. those. Yeah. 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 So, I guess Blues so Brothers. They, they, they came out so close together. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so this film is was originally both titled Chicago. In, yes, both Chicago. A lot of great films in the '80s coming out of Chicago with uh, Ferris Bueller as well. Apparently, yeah. uh, the address of Joel's house and the address of Ferris Bueller's house uh, are both in Highland Park. Uh, and apparently, in the real world, if you look at the address, like right around the corner from each other. Wow. <laughs> so wow. kind of cool, interesting that that little Highland Park area. Very similar movies. Yes, they are. They're they're very similar movies. Yes, they Thoris are. Bueller's yeah, but... like the comedy version of this film. Yeah, it's a little bit more optimistic. Um, uh, but yeah, this film originally was titled White Boys Off the Lake, but the studio just said, no, that sounds like a off-Broadway play. <laughs> <laughs> Please change that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we'll get into... Porny. Yeah, it sounds a little, a little porny. bit White Boys Off the Lake. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a reference to the line that Jackie makes. Uh, where she says, uh, where, where she talks about how, you know, this is what all white boys off the lake want, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Um, and I have one more bit of little trivia, but I'll save this for later because I think it'll be a good portion of conversation uh, for our actual uh, meat of our discussion. Uh, so 
with how it got made, how it came to be, we have a little more context of what we're about to talk about. For those of you at home who have not watched Risky Business in a long time or have never watched Risky Business, what are you doing? We're going to spoil it just so you know. But if you need a little bit of a refresher, um, here is what it is. Here's the plot of this movie. When his parents leave for a brief vacation, straight arrow high school senior Joel Goodson decides to cut loose. Hiring call girl Lana for a night sets off a series of events that leads a desperate Joel to turn his house into a brothel to pay for a mounting debt. I don't have to thank anybody. I wrote that. Nice. Boom. With, with the help of with the, with, thanks, with the help of some other sites, I kind of like took what they were saying and kind of just put it in my own words. But I wrote that. I need to get better at writing my log lines anyway. <laughs> so I'm practicing. I think you just do that from the future. Just keep doing it. No, I am. Uh, from keep now on, I am. Yeah. yeah well, well, originally we were doing that like game with like nine BB yeah. or Rotten Tomatoes, and we're not doing that anymore. So I, don't I think the game works if we anyway. have a guest. You know. Mm. But, well, maybe, but... maybe look forward to it in the future. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now that we know what it is, Seth, you picked this movie this week, and as per your rules, go ahead. I mean, hey, Ricky. What? What's it about? Ooh. Okay. So uh, up front, we just talked about this with a fish called Wanda a couple of weeks ago. We talked about this idea of that you called me out on a little bit about my tendency to be very controlled. I have a lot of control over myself in a lot of ways. And I hold myself very tightly in that way. People don't see think would call me uptight per se. Would you say I'm uptight? I think you have a big energy, which mm-hmm. confuses people. Yeah. So like, I know that you are very controlled. Mm-hmm. I know that you're you're hyper controlled. Yeah, I think people but would because, say my energy is chaotic, but my yeah. my being is very controlled. Yeah, very subdued. Like you're so your your energy is so big, you're afraid if you didn't control it. That's yeah. You're you're kind of hitting the nail on the head. I think I'm I'm pretty wild and scattered when I'm under control. Yeah, and so it it, it does scare me to like let loose a little bit because it is it could be potentially very out of control so you called me out on that a little bit a couple weeks ago and and then i and then as i was watching this movie it's like did he pick this movie specifically to call me out again (laughs) i did not because because i do i did feel a little attacked like what seth wants to talk about my problems no no i mean no i mean honestly me to be to be completely like transparent is in the moment when I forget that I have to pick a movie. <laughs> I still have just a few in the roster, you know. Yeah. Like you got like a list, a pre a list in your yeah. head. Like, okay, this one. Yeah. I can yeah. pick this movie, and yeah. uh, this this uh, we haven't as, as long as we haven't done it. I'm like, okay, this is one of my favorite films. Let's talk about it, you mm-hmm. know, and. Uh, I, well, you still haven't told me your answer. You still well, no, yes, I'm, I'm leading up to it. So <laughs> <laughs> this film very much, as much as I love it and much as I like it and think it's a great movie, it does really, I am very sensitive to it in a lot of ways. And it, it reminds me a lot of like uncut gems in this way where it's like there for me, there is an anxiety going on because I see stuff that's out of control. Stuff is out of Joel's control. 
You're a good and son. <laughs> don't tell my say that to my dad. <laughs> well, you want to be. Yeah, of course. And I can. That's where we relate. Like, yeah, I'm also. I wanted to be a good son, and his name yeah. is Joel Goodson. You know what Goodson, I mean? Like, there's yeah. that's that's yeah on purpose. Yes. Uh, so for me, I spend a lot of this movie feeling very much. Again, not attacked per se. Attacked is the wrong word, but I do feel put on the spot, and like this film is needling me specifically, or people like me specifically. Um, so, what I come away with is a very mixed bag. But this is kind of what I boiled it down to, and it's risks lead to unexpected consequences, whether good or bad. You'll grow from it, and that's kind of what I got out of this film because. For me, I know, like, I think a lot of people go with this movie, like, no, take risks, because look, Joel, it all worked out for Joel, right? And yes and no. And that's my point. Yeah. And and he's very lucky that it worked out for him in the way it did, because it very, because yeah. for me, I don't consider myself to be a very lucky person. I think I'm very, I've grown up very fortunate. I've had a very fortunate life. But as far as, like, luck goes, like, it, things of chance and things going your way just kind of randomly more often like than not. The mom I'm not moment, lucky. Like, to like, at, at the end of the movie, mm -hmm. like, I don't want to jump too far ahead. I, I still want to stay focused on what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But to, to emphasize what you're saying is like, it's very unlucky that his mother noticed a crack in the egg mm -hmm. at the very end. And nobody else can see it. Yeah. You know? Like, yep, and it probably wasn't even from him. It, what, it, like, mm -hmm. like, he was so fragile with that egg. And he's like, what the? You know, mm -hmm. that's unlucky. That's unlucky. That's, we can't. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, but like, that's even just a small unlucky because that's like that, as far as consequences go, he, he he's going to have to replace the egg for his mom, but she's not even that mad. She's like, okay, you're going to have to replace it. It's not like something like irreplaceable. No, nah, nah, bro. She's mad. Well, yeah, but again, it's, it's, she's mad. I'm, dis Dad's... I'm disappointed. Right. But like, uh, okay, we can get back into this. We can get back but, into this. Yeah, but again, it's but, it's the consequences aren't that bad for that. Like it's unlucky, but it's not that. Like, but like finding out that, like, what if he had gotten arrested? You know, what if that the Princeton guy like told his dad what was going on at their house? Like, but I'm saying, I guess what I'm saying is there's irony in the fact that he still got reamed out by his mother, right? Which is like the worst, you right. know? Like, there, yes. So her, his, for me, his mom was the coolest. <laughs> No, yeah. And so for me, this movie bothers me a little bit and like feels like personally, like I, I connect this movie very personally, but in a, in a way that makes me a little bit mad because I'm like, yeah, taking risks can be great and like great things can happen. But like when you take a risk, you, there's a, a lot of luck involved and I don't consider myself to be a very lucky person. And so therefore, I don't think it would work out for me the same way that it works out for Joel. So I it make there's a little bit of like jealousy. There's a little bit of like fuck that guy. <laughs> Why does it work out for him and not me? You know, <laughs> like so there's a little bit of anger in there. In that like this, I think people can come away with this when he's like, yeah, take risk. Sometimes you gotta say what the fuck. You gotta take a risk, right? Yeah. And that's like the whole like thesis of this movie. And for me, I'm like, yeah, but like it. If everybody just did that, it would not work out well for everybody. It ju it just can't. It's like the consequences are both good and bad, and it won't work out for everybody. Some people are going to get in a lot of trouble from doing this, 
and you'll grow from it. You'll learn like that's, that's something in itself. But again, I just don't think if I was in the same situation and did everything exactly the same way Joel did, I don't, I don't think it would have worked out for me in the same way. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just works out for people in different ways, man. I, I I don't, I, I will bargain. No, it worked out. I will bargain that it worked out quite realistically for Joel. I, 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 and the movie does a great job of making the consequences. Like grounded. you said, re- realistic. Like, like yeah. th- that egg gets tossed around like freaking crazy. It makes sense that something would probably happen to it, whether small, minute or not. You know, it, he lost a whole shit ton of money. Um, he, he got the car fixed. That was super fortunate. But he got suspended from school, so that's gonna be on his record. And he, but he's getting in Princeton, even though he Honestly, doesn't really want to go to Princeton. The only like problem with realism that I have in the film is the amount of time from his parents arriving at the airport. Oh, to getting his the house like to getting we, the house put together. Yeah, that's the only in my forever. Opinion, yeah. In my opinion, I that's the only thing I don't buy in this movie. Although getting from like O'Hare to. Highland Park could take a long time. Sarah tried to fudge it and be like, well, maybe that was happening before they arrived. And, and like, it very clearly is trying to demonstrate that it's happening simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's my only, that's my only qualm with the realism of this film. There's so like, that's what I think this movie does so well is Mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it, it's ground. It's pretty grounded. Yeah. And it's weirdness. And it's, it's like a realized fantasy. Mm-hmm. but also it could happen. Yeah. Like you buy it, you, you buy every second of it. Like, I don't know. It's, uh, <sighs> okay. So but yeah, just to, to, yeah, just to go back to like exactly what I'm saying is like risks lead to consequences. And sometimes those consequences can be good. They can lead to good results. It can lead, but they also can lead to bad results. And it's, Sometimes yes. it's a matter of luck, but no matter what, by taking a risk, you will learn and you will grow. Yes. And if you don't take risks, you're just going to, you're going to be stunted. I think you're a hundred percent dead on. I think I just need to, for my own mind, how I've interpreted the film, expound on what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You have Please. Like a, a, a dual explanation. Do, 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 do. Uh, yeah, so I think you're right. I think you're hitting the nail on the head. I think you're hitting the practical yeah. uh, interpretation of the film. Okay, so um, which may be like the melding of my two. I, I, don't, I don't know. I think I think I saw something in this, in this film this time that I never saw before, mm-hmm. uh, which was kind of cool. Um, there is, I think the service level meaning is like if you don't take risks, you're never going to get anywhere. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You're never going to you're never going to live if you don't take a risk. Mm-hmm. You might you might stay on the same linear path and you know do all do things, but you you're never going to have fun. You're never going to like really live unless you go outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think to bridge that. What that's really saying is, is you're never going to be vulnerable. Like you only really, you only really are vulnerable when you're outside of your comfort zone. And you only ever really learn 
when you're vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know? And so like, I'm not saying you should go out and do crazy. Like, I, I think what, I think what this film is saying is sometimes you got to shake things up mm-hmm. to really experience life. And we get so stuck in our linear thinking and that's not how life works, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, so, and, and to go along with that. So like miles is, is Joel's good friend. Um, and he's the one that like says that, that very iconic line. Sometimes you got to say what the fuck, like that's like the thesis of this movie. But what he says after that to me is actually what makes a little bit more sense. And like what actually is underneath that. Cause you're right. Like the idea of like just saying what the fuck, just do whatever is I think wrong. That's wrong. I don't think that's what people should do. Cause I think that's a, excuse, you an excuse. You can't say it. You can't do it. <laughs> if you can't say it, you can't do it. Um, but he says, he says, what the fuck gives you freedom? Freedom yeah. brings you opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. That's the thesis. That's the thesis. That's, of this that's what's really, that's what he's really saying. He's not saying go do whatever. He's not yeah. just saying take, take risks without benefit. That's, I think the, the, I think it's so easy to watch this film and just be like, okay, like do whatever, you know, like you said, like, just go, just go, just go for it. Shake it up. Yeah. But like. You take you take risks for rewards. Like you don't just take risks for no reason. Like, like. But sometimes, and, sometimes it's hard to see how to get to your reward. Well, I and and we there's a great metaphor for that in that very opening monologue from Joel where he's talking about this dream that he has. Yeah. Where he I, I wanted he, to talk about that. Yes, he goes to his. He has a dream, a recurring dream, where he, instead of going home after school, he stops at his neighbor's house. The door's open. He walks inside. Nobody's home. But he hears the shower running. He goes upstairs, and he sees a woman, a naked woman, in the shower that isn't one of the neighbors. It's just a random woman. And she asks him to join her in the shower. And as he's approaching, he says it's hard to see her because the steam is just so thick. It's hard for me to actually see her. And by the time I reach her, I'm no longer there. And I'm just on the other side of some really bad consequences. Yeah. Right? And and I think I have that way of thinking a lot of times too, where I can't He I reminded me of you. Dude, yeah, bro. I know. He reminded me so much of you in this movie. Like I did not I pick this movie because of you. I know. That's what that's why I told you. Really I was a little did. I was not mad while watching the movie, but I I felt this movie has become very personal to me. Like I watched it with you in Chicago and I didn't, I liked it, but I didn't quite feel it the same way I do now. Like I, you know, was it makes me feel good a little bit. I didn't. Yeah. 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 Uh, Let's see. How many years ago was that? Probably like five, six, maybe even seven, seven years ago when we watched this movie together. We've known each other a while now. Yeah, man. I met you in 2014, almost 10 years now. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Love you, man. (laughs) Love you too, bro. Um, but yeah, so I did feel like I have a much more personal connection with this movie because it does very much call me out in something that I also very much struggle with. And so like I totally – I think the same way as Joel in the beginning of this movie where of course I can see that taking a risk can sometimes be important. I mean I'm here in LA. I took a risk to move out here to pursue acting. Like of course I understand that taking risks is important and I do take risks occasionally – but it is very much a calculated and thought through 
think like when people th- i'm not spontaneously taking risks it's very much a thought a thought through like yeah. w- balancing and and like like thinking of like is this risk worth it because the consequence could be really bad <laughs> you know like if a consequence yeah. is worse than the the reward why would you do it you know then you have a really what's the good point story yeah but that for me that's like the the for me the risk of that is too much it's too the, no, the cost is too steep how, and this is and this is where the ray-bans come into play in my argument if we're mm-hmm. if we're getting into self analysis which i don't think we're quite there but um it's gonna all be loot like i said this movie has become too personal to me yeah and that i'm personal. way too i'm very very connected to it bruh so it, like anything i talk about with this movie is going to be very much reflective yeah. on me bruh i moved to chicago because of this movie like I did not this know that movie. Yeah. Like this movie was the nail in the coffin for me going, I'm moving to Chicago. I, I would not have, I like, I was considering New York and I saw this film when I was like 19 and mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going there. That's where I'm going. And because you gotta say, what the fuck, you know, mm-hmm. like, like <sighs> this movie molded my personality to an intense degree like Mm -hmm. i mean and if you look back at my life which you've seen quite a lot of almost 10 years of it like since i like honestly since basically since i saw this movie you Mm -hmm. know like i have acted in a way in like like, foolishly in some regard but Mm -hmm. i think intelligently in others um in adherence to the philosophy of this film Mm -hmm. you know like what the fuck like why not why not do something crazy and see what happens you know Mm -hmm. you never know you never know what it will lead to and uh i have examples of of how of how that's true it's never in the way you imagine it Mm -hmm. i think you know, and, like, and and that's what it, the unexpected consequences of taking risks is like. So when you take a risk, if you if you thought about it before you've taken it, so again, sometimes risk taking is very spontaneous. But if you thought about it before you've done it, you you think you've thought of the potential consequences. What could happen if I do this? If I if if it doesn't work out, but there's always unexpected consequences. There's always things you did not foresee as a consequence. You never know. Always, you know. You never know. You never know. You never know. And and for me, for me in my life, again, not super – no one would say I was, I'm a risk taker. I don't think people would say that. I've taken very – again, calculated risk. I also moved to Chicago to pursue acting with very little acting experience. Um, I didn't have a job when I moved there. I had to have an apprenticeship. So I didn't actually have an income. But that, that move you know, led me to meeting you through a mutual friend. Yeah. Um, and – I worked my way up to becoming a much better actor and met, made a lot of other friends that I love. So like in that case, like moving to Chicago with no job to pursue acting when you have no experience acting <laughs> is risky in a lot of ways. I think people would say, but you know, but I, mean, I think you there was high to LA in the way you did. What do you mean? You moving to LA in the way you did was very, like I I'm, I am impressed and proud of the way you moved to Los Angeles and the way you lived 
for a year. I don't think that's risk. I think I'm just I'm just think I'm just low maintenance. It's well, no, okay. Okay. Let me argue my point. On my behalf? On your behalf. <laughs> Against me? Yes, yes. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is I like you are you are somebody who won't ch- like change something unless you absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. You know? And you force yourself to put to change. You you mm-hmm. realize it was the best possible. Like you were like, okay. Like and and I and I feel responsible in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. I like I like was like, bro, logically this makes sense. You mm-hmm. should do this. And you did. And it was a, sh- you lived in, like we both did. Mm-hmm. I got out sooner, but you lived in a literal hole. You lived in a hole for mm-hmm. a year. Ricardo Diaz slept in the hole of a couch for a year. To be fair, I, f- I made the hole by sleeping on the couch. There wasn't a hole when I first moved there. I made the well, hole. Well, it was pretty time. much there. It was the there. couch was pretty bad. It didn't take but, long for the hole to form. Now, to 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 play devil's advocate slightly, he could have had a bed. <laughs> he there were a lot of circ- there were a lot of circumstances. There were a lot of circumstances. Not going to sleep in that bed. He stuck to his principles and slept on the couch. But regardless, like you put yourself in a scenario that was uncomfortable when you didn't have to, and that's admirable. That's admirable. Oh, and. Yeah, no, I mean, like, you have, and one of the things I appreciate about you, Ricky, is you stick to your principles. Like, you stick to who you are, and even to your own, like, chagrin at times, you know, like, you, you, you will take a risk. It just has to be worth the squeeze in your mind. Yes, yes, and... To bring it back to the movie here, this movie is very focused on a coming of age for a teenager. And along with that, what is like one of the things that teenagers are experiencing? And it's very obviously sex, right? This idea that sex makes you an adult. Once you've had sex, you, you've you lost your innocence. You are no longer a child. You are grown up, right? And for me as a person – and this is something that people I think get. I think somebody you get frustrated at me with in this aspect too, is for me that's never been a big enough motivation to take any type of risk, as far as like sex or 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 anything like that. And I know like sometimes we would hang out and you're and you're trying to get me to talk to like a particular girl or like get a girl's number or this or that, and I will very adamantly not do it <laughs> because think- for me. And it's not even like – it's crazy. It's like the risk of that is like really low too. The The risk is pretty low and the reward is maybe a little bit higher. But for me, like there's an internal like non-emphasis on that as anything that's that important, I guess. Okay. Yes. And mm-hmm. I think in how – I think a good example of why like I push you to do that. Mm-hmm. right is is like how we kind of watch movies mm-hmm. right for me it's about the experience mm-hmm. right it's not about it's not about what i think about the experience afterwards it's not about 
like it's about the actual doing of the thing mm-hmm. and that that's really where you glean the most value i think mm-hmm. you know and you can sit there logically and analyze something afterwards and learn things but it's different it's mm-hmm. it's way different and to yeah. quote the film to quote the film and to quote Joel like he's like the lady said the he, he said the lady had knowledge mm-hmm. and he appreciated that knowledge you know he went through this experience with this woman and he learned something mm-hmm. you know yeah and and I totally I totally like that but here's here's where I think in my real life I also have this moment because like I do see myself so much in Joel and I see a lot of like you and miles, right? Like this, this <laughs> very smart, very charismatic guy. Who's all about like the experiences, like trying to get his buddy trying to help his friend, like genuinely help his friend. Like that was you know, bullshit. Experience. Joel. <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. Miles doesn't even believe his own bullshit. He's, he's talking. No! You got to say what the fuck you got to say. What the fuck? Bro. You can't say that though about me. You cannot no, say that. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying it about I mean, me, but what I'm, I mean, what I'm saying is – I'm a scaredy cat too. I'm a scaredy cat too. I'm a, I'm a big chicken in a lot of ways. I have my own demons, but you can't say I haven't tried at no. least no, no, no. to take, I, take I, risks in I, my life. No, it just Miles, the relationship between Joel and Miles. No, I do egg you on. Me. I do egg yes. you on. What I mean and is I think sometimes I have trouble listening to people who are trying to do that to me because in my head there is a little bit of me is like, do they even actually practice what they preach? Do they actually believe so, what they're saying? Because when it's not you and you're telling someone else to do something that's potentially risky, it doesn't have a mutual you. friend. We have a mutual friend. I'm not going to name names. Don't name names. But I won't name names. We have a mutual friend that I would say is like that to you. And, and – um trying to like frame it correctly like we have a mutual friend who also was stuck in a mindset Mm. that judged you for being stuck in a mindset but Mm. would not go outside of his own mindset to prove it i i I don't i think this is too inside i'm sorry i think i know exactly what i know no i think i know exactly there was a mattress involved But what what I'm saying is is like yeah, like I don't want you to make I don't want you to fuck up your life. Like I I don't I don't want you to mm-hmm. fuck up your life. But I do want you to have a life, and I want mm-hmm. you to live a life. And I don't. And I said this. I, I recently said this to someone, and 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 I don't want to be tooting my own horn or like I'm not trying because like, I'm I'm aware of. I'm, I'm, I'm obnoxiously aware <laughs> of my own state, but, um, uh, said the blind man. Um, I am not successful, but I have learned a thing or two mm-hmm. from taking the risks I have taken. And I could be successful. I don't know. But um, I don't think what I've learned is like 
you don't really have control either way. Mm -hmm. So you might as well just like, you might as well occasionally, every once in a while, say what the fuck? Because you don't know, mm -hmm. you don't know what it's going exactly. to Because if you know, you if you know what not saying what the fuck leads to, mm -hmm. you're only going to ever get to, you, you cannot exceed your expectations. You can only meet your expectations. That's true. I like that. I'd like that. And this film does such a great job in playing that out in front of us of like this idea of Joel needs to grow. Joe is a child. Joe, Joel can't even cook and heat up his own food. He's eating the, raw food that is uh, frozen food that his mom made for him and he can't even heat it up himself. Probably. That's this. That's the only other part of this film that I disagree with. I, I that's the only, like who doesn't know how to use a microwave. Okay, bro. Like, what moron. Yeah. You're sucking on your fish. You're sucking on your frozen fish. I, I think it's like, I think it was like a Salisbury steak. I think it was like gravy and like, yeah. like, for, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. Or something like, like that. But okay, yeah, bro. And he does it several times. You actually see him do it several times throughout the movie. He's eating raw, uh, frozen, not raw food, but frozen food. Because um, yeah. he's too much of a child to cook his own food. Um, and this movie does a great job in showing and very, very ham. I would almost say almost ham fistedly saying that as soon as like Joel like has sex with Lana that he loses his childhood a little bit. Like he loses that innocence. Like there's a, the moment where they're in the act and it literally cuts or like like it pans through the house. Yeah. And it goes it's from beautiful. them having sex. I think it's, it's, oh, it's, a, it's a beautiful shot. Moment. Don't get me wrong. It's, you know, it's a beautiful shot. Don't get me wrong. And it's that sequence is so well done. I'll get to another part that I really liked about that sequence in a minute. But it pans from them having sex to child baby photos of Joel on the wall. Like yeah. it literally like crosses yeah. a, a threshold and – and like shows you pictures of him as a child as you hear him like moaning and them having sex. It's, it's like, okay, it's yeah, such, I get it. It's such a juxtaposition to how the scene starts. Mm -hmm. you know, well, like, yes. Like you would think that that's the hot sex scene in the film. Mm -hmm. And like, cause like, I mean, it is, it is it's the first time we've seen Lana. Very, She's immediately She's, nude. Rebecca de Mornay is Whoa. gorgeous in this movie. She's Whoa. Uh, yeah. Had to be many uh, <laughs> many a teenager's sexual awakenings in the eighties. Had to be. Yeah, I had mean, to. and but then it's like once we're like once we're aroused, mm -hmm. we immediately are grounded mm -hmm. by his like the loss of his innocence, you know, mm -hmm. which is which which is what makes I think which I, I think is what makes the sex scene later in the film more sensual more more it's it just it's more profound it's more it's beautiful like that scene that scene is arguably one of the best sex scenes in all of cinema it's also kind of tantric in a way because they have to like wait till everybody gets off the train and there's yeah. like this patience and like it's like mounting and mounting and mounting and you're like god like like when is it gonna gonna happen it's, but it's so realistic too like yeah it's not, it's not like, it's, it's not like, it, it, like, like I said, it's just, it's a juxtaposition as well from the first sex scene, which is like a porno, you know, like the wind mm -hmm. blows. Well, the, I was going to say, the leaves I, come I, in. <laughs> well, for me, the, the, the wind, and, the, and I think that's why like Rob Lowe was like, this film is weird. Cause it is, cause like, that's very, you're right. It's very 
corny or not it's not the right word but it's like it is a little bit hyper stylized like it's you're surreal. Right, it, it, it's, there's, it's, there's it's a surreal. surreal there's a fantasy to it yeah and but it's but they don't play it like it's happening in an imagination it's like it's like no this is actually what's happening yeah um but for me like and that's what i that's the other thing i like about that scene is uh that i mentioned earlier is the the wind so the first thing we see is the wind blowing before we before you know we see the red lights and we have the wind blowing blowing in and what does the wind do it knocks over joel's bike yeah the first thing we see again this idea of knocking it's blowing through his his innocence his childhood and then literally as they're having sex it flows through and opens the door for me that that like represents this idea like that joel's being swept away right into this this new life into this new adventure it's it's literally almost like you know uh dorothy and the wizard of oz exactly you can't control growing up exactly it just a stiff wind blows and you're an adult you know it blows you in that direction and that's it you know stiff wind ricky (laughs) you like that stiff wind yeah you're welcome (laughs) yeah i'm also saying yeah, let's be. We can, we can be immature for a second. I also been saying the word "blow" a lot, so yeah, that's true. You're welcome, that's everybody. Yeah. This is the yeah. the segment where we get really childish. We apologize. <laughs> We're I still children. It. I appreciate the sexual humor in this film. It's not. I think it. It's not. It's, yeah, it's not grotesque. It's not yeah. in poor taste. I think it actually is very, very expertly done. You're, I agree with you. Yeah. There is a little a moment where you think that it might get a little bit transphobic, uh, yeah. but but something I think that I that's can, done quite well. That's why I was just gonna honestly. say this. Honestly, I can if I can say something. This film, while his reaction maybe is a little bit transphobic as far as like actually the way he reacts but to it, kind of makes he, sense for an eighteen year old, right? Like, and in the eighties, and, and yeah. But what I think is really cool is he calls her she. He always yeah. says she. He yeah. never says he never says. He he never misgenders her, ever. Yeah, he always calls her a she, and and I think the way the film portrays her, she she comes in, she is kind of played for a joke, which I think it, it you know, not great, not a great intro to play that as a joke, but believable, believable, but not you know. not as a joke. But I'm saying like, mm-hmm. you don't know what you're getting, right? You know what well, I mean? No, that's like, true. That's true. And it's in the ad. It wasn't like a. a, a alluded to in any way no um, but 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 again like i said this is 80s so like kind of played for a punchline but not like a really like ham-fisted punchline but a little bit um but the reaction after that is she's patient she yeah. she's she's very under control she helps guide him yeah she she all she is is very is very kind of like okay Cordial. like i get it like i understand i get it like she's annoyed, yeah, but that's it, right? You know? Like she's not played as a, a, a I wouldn't say she's played as a caricature. I wouldn't as say long as she's, she, as long as she's paid for her time, yeah, yeah. she's fine. I, yeah, I thought it was honestly, I was surprised at the way that it was portrayed for an early '80s movie to play yeah. to play a a potentially trans person. Yeah, um, it's never confirmed, but. You know, elite a minimum cross dresser. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like I said, I commend this movie for like towing the line, but like actually ending up being very, very 
uh, soft and deft with their way of handling it. It holds up. The movie holds up. I think it does. Honestly, I think it, it does. And, and like, up. I think, and like, like, because a lot of teen sex comedies are very sexist. They like treat women as objects and things like that. And this movie is yeah. literally about call girls, literally about prostitutes. And they sex have work all, is work, baby. Sex work yes. is work. But here's the thing: the women in this movie have all the power. Yeah, they have all of it. Like even like Guido, like if like you want to be honest, like if those girls decided they didn't want to work for Guido anymore, he would not be able to handle them. They could easily, if honestly, if they were honestly trying to get away from Guido and like work with Joel and like go off on their own or start their own thing, they could they absolutely could have done that. They didn't have to go back to Guido. They didn't. They wouldn't have had to. It was all yeah. under their choice well, and control. The confusing part about Guido and like this is the this is the Guido the killer pimp. <laughs> yeah, this is the confusing part about the plot. It's, mm-hmm. the, it's maybe the question the well, film raises. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say confusing, but it is an unanswered question of like. Yeah. And I think the way you look at this film and how you come out of it at the end, that you, you can ask the question, but it's the question that's on everybody's mind. Was Lana was Lana in on it the whole time? Mm-hmm. Was she? Was she? And then did she lie to Joel at the end when she said she she wasn't? Uh, I think she did lie. You think she lied? I think she lied, but, but well, okay. So this is where it gets into, this is why this movie is so realistic. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think she was in it on the, in on, because the, we have to remember what the question mm-hmm. was. The question was asked, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm going to butcher it because I have to remember it. Um, but Joel says something like, was that night real? Mm-hmm. basically and she's like yeah it was mm-hmm. and i think it was for her she did mm-hmm. not intend it to be i don't think she intended it to be real well this reminds me so much of what her. we talked about with with wanda right and yeah. it's called wanda this yeah. idea of someone's playing somebody until it becomes real Right, yeah. and it's not expected, but it. Yeah. I agree. That's my interpretation of it too, because I totally think she was in on it the whole time. Because yeah. it's the way that she was at the hotel with Guido. She sees him. Kind of reacts, but not really. And what? A few minutes later, comes running out, and is like, "Just take me with you." You know what uh, I mean? I I I think so. I think that part is not. I don't know because. Of- I don't know. She drags her feet to like doing a lot of stuff throughout this movie. We we know we I, we know when it happens. It's clear in it's when in like this, Vicky shows up. It's when Joel leaves her home alone and she starts looking throughout the house. Mm-hmm. At when he's at school, of, yeah, that's yeah. when. That's well, then when, that's when Vicky shows up too. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's when that. she's like, "We can take this guy. Like, yeah. we can take this family." Um, I think there's a exact moment. When Joel grows up, mm-hmm. and it's uh, the, go ahead. It's 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 when Lana gets in the car, and Guido pulls the gun. Mm. So, mm. I disagree. But go ahead. I think he realizes he doesn't know everything in that moment, and like, because he has this like. He has this like surety, mm-hmm. but the way he 
approaches Lana in the car, like mm-hmm. you're going to give, you're going to give me the egg back. Mm-hmm. I'm not driving. I'm not driving until you give me the egg back. And mm-hmm. it's so like, it's a childish sense of certainty that if I just hold my ground on my principles, you will give me my egg back. And then Guido pulls a gun and he's like, Oh, Mm-hmm. I could die. <laughs> like we could die right now. I'll say it becomes real. It becomes yes. real. What what I'll say, I get what you're saying. What I'll say is I think that's when the process starts. But I think he's still very childish throughout most of this movie. Yeah. And the I mean, decisions that he's making. And it's not starting I, to. I think it's not until he has to hand all his money away to Guido that he just made. Yeah. He has to hand it all over, you know, most of it, a big chunk of it. He has to hand it over to Guido to get all his parents' stuff back. That's the yeah. moment where I think he fully grows up. He's like, I, I thought I could, you know, because kids think they can get away with everything. Things, yeah. kids don't think about consequences. Kids do things, and consequences show up, and kids are like, "What? <laughs> yeah, there are consequences. Sorry about it." Um, and I think. After he has everything's things are going bad for for Joel left and right left and right his 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 he gets he has to cash in that bond his mom's egg gets stolen his dad's car ends up in Lake Michigan he gets suspended from school things are going bad for Joel but yet he's still just reacting to them like a child would you know what I mean just grasping at straws and then he has this like fantasy night where he makes all that money that he needs he. He has a brothel in his house, all these beautiful women treating him like a god, basically. Yeah. You know, he's the man. And he's riding high. And then he realizes that he gets he's he got took, you know? When Time he comes of your home, life, kid. Yep. Time of your and I life. Think, and I yep, and I think that when he realizes, like, oh no, like I this all worked out. Like, cause you know, kids think, like, oh, it's all I can do it, I can take it care of it. It'll all work out. And then and then Guido's sitting there waiting for him. Dude. The way that he says that Guido says that, like, mm-hmm. even that is believable. Like, mm-hmm. I like you, Joel. Do you not mm-hmm. know that? Do you not realize that I would kill you if I didn't like you? Like, yeah. he respects this kid. Yeah, he does. Joey Pants, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Love Joey Pants. What a great actor. He's an underrated yeah. actor, Joey Pants. He's such a good bad guy. He's he so good. Joey Pants. Second movie. Second movie he's been in. Yeah, yeah, he was Cipher in uh, yeah. The Matrix. Yeah, um, but yeah, for for me, this film is yeah. It, I love seeing things go bad for Joel, but it gives me anxiety because for me, I could totally see the snowball effect of like taking a risk and it's just going bad, really, really bad, and it just keeps going worse. The more you try but, and like hold on to it, and the more you try and like fix it, it, it just keeps getting is- worse. I think this is the thing I wanted to like most talk about though with this film is Joel's Joel being put in this position is what makes him vulnerable enough to actually like go outside of his comfort zone to like I think the real, I think the real value in this movie, like, like thematically or like just maybe not thematically, philosophically, life-wise is like 
his relationship with Lana and how it progresses. You know, mm-hmm. it, it starts out with it as this like sexual relationship that's totally surface and just like objectification. But like, because of the risks he's taken and the position that he's put in, he's forced to like really invest in this person. Mm-hmm. He is well, totally it's cause, vulnerable. Well, it's because without her, there's no way he's making that money. Yeah, you know, and and you're right. And and what's nice is you, you don't. Oddly enough, Lana doesn't get a lot of like character development. Like she's there, and you can tell that things are happening, but like they don't like really focus on her as much. Like it's, I can barely think of a scene that Joel is not in in this movie. I think he's in yeah. almost every scene. There maybe there are a couple times when things cut away from him, but he is literally in that almost every frame. Yeah, like proportionally. So but then he becomes not, the narrator, which is interesting. Well, he starts off as the narrator. That's true. That's true. He this is it. Had it takes some noir in 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 um influences in here, where it's being told to Joel. Uh, Joel's telling a story about growing up, about how he grew up. Yeah. You know how he became an an adult and uh, and he totally is wiser he's more grown up he, the way he talks the way he holds himself is so much different at the end of the movie than at the beginning of the movie and you definitely see his growth and it i would say probably for the better but because but again be, mostly because the, the consequences were so low for him like yeah. very minimal as far as like what they could have been yeah other than, I mean, getting suspended from schools can be pretty bad. But, like, honestly, anybody that's been – I've been suspended from school before. I haven't. I've never been suspended. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, there you go. See, I'm a risk taker. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, I was being picked on and I fired back with words and someone got upset and told on me. <laughs> and I got suspended. It was Catholic school. <laughs> to be fair, I said something very, very inappropriate and very gross. <laughs> to be fair, but I was defending myself. Wait, was this a fire crotch story? No, I got detention for that. But you, oh. that is—it's a very similar type of story, <laughs> where like, where people were egging me on to do something I shouldn't do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did it, and I got—I got consequences. Maybe honestly, maybe that's why I'm so risk averse because maybe it, that's it. Because sub- subconsciously. I, people are doing things to me, right? People are yeah. making fun of me. People are attacking me. And when I take a risk and fire back, the consequences are thrown back at me and not at other people. And so maybe the, subconsciously there's this idea that I'm going to get punished for things that other people don't get punished for. Yeah. Like if I do the same thing that other people do, I will get punished and they will not. So like I mean, same thing we were just talking about, like taking a risk in this way of like, oh, like for most people, like, oh, like having the story is like, worth the risk for me it's not worth the risk because i very much subliminally have been conditioned to think that the things that other people can do i can't do because i will get in trouble and they will not get in I, trouble. i don't know i don't so i don't know if i totally agree i'm not it's saying just, right, it's just no it's just been my experience right right but what here's what i'm saying is the pain and the bs that i've gone through in my life though it sucked at the time has made me the person that I am today. Mm -hmm. And that person 
is much wiser than the person that didn't do those things, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I, I am totally in line with you on that. I would yeah. say like, in particular, I think a, a sort a very vulnerable spot for me is like intimacy as far as like romantic intimacy and physical intimacy. I think that's definitely a, a place I'm very sensitive and very vulnerable. And so I don't share and participate in that kind of stuff a lot, yeah. even in joking ways. I really don't, I really don't go there a lot. It's for, and when I talk about sex, it's very cl- it's very clinical in yeah. a lot of ways. It's like very much like a, a non-sexual kind of way. Uh, and I, I totally agree in that the times where I've been more – I've taken a risk and been more vulnerable romantically, intimately, yes. Like there are definitely areas in my life where that's caused me a lot of like pain um, and a lot of hurt. But I definitely will say those are very important moments in my life where I did grow where I did learn and I am a wiser person today because of those things, but it is, it hurts so bad. You know what I mean? When it hurts, it hurts so bad. And it's hard to, to know that, you know what I mean? When like the only times you put yourself out there like that, where it's gone bad, it's hard to then like, just like keep letting yourself potentially feel that pain. You know what I mean? I agree that it absolutely sucks. Um, but this is where, and I also don't think like I'm going to try to be as like I don't I don't know if inclusive is the word, but like people experience things at different intensities, mm-hmm. you know. And I think you and I are more emotionally. Uh, I think I, 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 people have been, I've been called sensitive. I'm sensitive. Yeah, we're, we're sensitive. We're sensitive dudes. We're, mm-hmm. we're sensitive dudes. Um, we're, we, we experience emotional emotions more intensely than most men, probably. Mm-hmm. Maybe, don't quote me. <laughs> or whatever. do we experience, I mean, you're, or it's do hard we experience to say, the right? same. Yeah, we don't know. Right. We don't, we don't, or, and other people kind of just repress that. We don't. Yeah. It's, it's it's impossible to say, but I think I think this is like where I'm going to angle it towards you a little, mm-hmm. and, and it's too it's it's preaching to the choir to a degree mm-hmm. because that's where I kind of came from. It's that those experiences are very human, mm-hmm. and it's not like you're alone in experiencing them. Mm-hmm. So to not take the risk is to deny yourself humanity. And like the pain is part of life. Mm-hmm. But like, if you never figure it out, if you never go through it, you're you, like, you won't figure it out, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I'm 33 and unmarried and still figuring my shit out, but I know I, I know what I don't want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I know what I don't want. And so and 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 you know, I like I, I can't I can't say for sure anything, but mm-hmm. uh I'm appreciative I'm appreciative of the enjoyable experiences that I have had mm-hmm. as opposed to not having any experiences at all. Right. 
And I, I totally am in line with you. And, and it's something that I personally am working through all the time about putting myself out there in those ways and, and getting out of my comfort zone and pushing myself to, to not let that keep me from, like I said, from living and from growing. I think we, like we said, you know, we kind of laid out in the beginning. It's, it's those risks create opportunity and they create a future without taking risks. Things, is it a future if it's already pre-planned, right? Is it, or is it just being on rails? Is it a foregone conclusion? Is that a future? Who's to say? And, What's great, this movie, <laughs> yeah. What's great about this movie is uh, there's a moment where Lana is wearing his Princeton sweater. Yeah. After they've had sex. And I'm like, yeah. oh, is this like talking about how she's kind of like supplanting his like future in a way that she's like taking the place or is fitting into his future in some way? I think that's the most like, like besides the – um obvious whether or not lana was in on it Mm -hmm. the most like the biggest question of this film is should joel even go to princeton exactly and he didn't well here's the thing and this is another thing we i just want to touch on i know we're getting to our point here some of this cinematography wise this film does a lot of first person view from joel's perspective like we're like as if we are joel like there's a whole sequence when he wakes up in the morning and we're going yeah. through his day in the morning, and we, literally the camera is Joel, and we don't see Tom Cruise at all. We're literally yeah. as if the camera is Joel. Is there something and, wrong with this equalizer, Joel? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Do you hear a preponderous <laughs> increase <Obese>. in space? <laughs> no. <laughs> is this how I left the equalizer, Joel? <laughs> it's not a toy for you and your friends to play yeah. with. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like that whole that whole sequence, all the way up until they leave in like at, like go away from it in the airport it's all first person we don't see yeah. joel at all we are joel and so like we're seeing this through his eyes and you're right like he d- his dad's like oh i got you an interview at prince like with a guy from princeton he's like i don't like i can't even get into princeton and he's like no 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 he's gonna be here like of course you you, you yes you will you know um yeah so like joel doesn't even really want to go to princeton or at least he kind of at least, or he doesn't think it suits him in some way. It doesn't seem like he's psyched about it. Um, so yeah, I don't. I don't know if Joel at that point at the end of the movie, it's not really answered for us. Does Joel want, or is Joel going to go to Princeton? Because now he he deals in human pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, he does. I think. I think. Well, why wouldn't you if you got in? I think like, like we see we see Joel's true nature when he drives home after he's wrecked the car mm-hmm. and it's, he has the lights flickering. Mm-hmm. He's going slower than the bike riders, you know, like that's Joel, you know, mm-hmm. super careful. The fact that he ever gets out of that, like mentality is awesome. Mm-hmm. But I think truthfully, Joel will be like that for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. But he knows that every once in a while, you should take a risk. Mm-hmm. And um, you know what my favorite moment in this whole movie is? And uh, I don't know why, but I like the sex scene's great. I could talk about mm-hmm. that for 20 minutes. Well, um, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not but it, is, it is really, really good. 
it's great. It's 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 amazing. But the, the my favorite the the moment that hit me the most is when Joel's life is wrecked, and he gets on the bike, and all he wants is a woman, like like Lana, his his girl, mm. to hold him. Mm-hmm. You know, and he he like is nonstop, just like he's covered in sweat. And it's like such a like real, it's like such a real moment. Like Mm -hmm. I have felt that way. You know what I mean? Like so Mm -hmm. sad. And like, all I want is this person to hold me and that's childish. Mm -hmm. But maybe that's like what make made Lana Mm -hmm. fall for him. You know, it's like that level of, Cause then she helped him, you know, like mm-hmm. then she like was like, cause there was no reason for her. Like she was pissed at him mm-hmm. before that. And she's like, no, we'll yeah. figure this out. We'll yeah. figure this out. I'm not leaving this office until I feel a little compassion. Oh, man, that nursing. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I'm not leaving this office. Tom Cruise is an incredible actor. He yes. is an incredible actor. His like like I noticed things in this movie that I never noticed before about his performance, like his vocal intonation in what he's doing, like the moment the Porsche is mm-hmm. falling Lana, down, Lana. but the way his vocal yeah. vocal cords like ah! like he, he like it's so real when he calls Miles mm-hmm. on the phone when Jackie shows up. Get, at get over here, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like he commits. He totally commits to everything he does. And mm-hmm. like he may be crazy, but he's an incredible actor. He's an mm-hmm. he's he's awesome. So just one thing to touch on before we start to before we wrap this up that I alluded to all the way up in the how it how it came to be section is that this film actually has an alternate ending. Uh really? originally. Yes. Uh originally uh, the test. So they shot two endings for this film. They're very similar, but they're slightly differently tinged. Um, originally, uh, the, the test screening. You know, they wanted to go with a more positive f- feel at the end. A more, oh, Joe's going to be okay kind of feel. Yeah. Um, and they didn't show this alternate ending until about maybe like eight years ago, where they did a screening where they showed the actual like director's cut alternate ending. Um. And basically, it's very. It plays out very similarly. It's Joel and Lana. Um, they're at a restaurant, a really nice restaurant in Chicago, like up in a tower somewhere. And the conversation is, is pretty similar. Joel's Joel asks her if he, she did it, but it's it's so much more subdued, and it's so much more. There's a little bit more anger in it. There's a little bit more just pessimism. A little bit more cynicism in it. Uh, and at one point he just tell and she says no, but he doesn't seem like he, he believes her. Um, and he just tells her, he says, come here. And she scoots a little bit closer. He says closer. And she like literally sits on his lap in this restaurant. And he just kind of holds her and the movie ends there. Mm. And it's just slightly more pessimistic and cynical than like the bantery, like we're flirting. Yeah. We think they're going to end up together type of feel. It's a much more, She's still a vulnerable. Yeah. He still doesn't trust her. 
you know, and like that still, relationship is, and she's still acting as his call girl, mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, but like a lot of the dialogue, but she has one line, and and the director himself said it's he thinks it's one of the most important lines of the movie that ended up getting cut was, why does why do things have to be so tough? You know, like that's real. Yeah, like I've said that this week. <laughs> I think that's a, like the most adult thing of like just like God dang, you know, like yeah, you can take risks and that's fun. Like that's great. Like risks are fun. Risks are sexy. They're enticing. Uh, Do you like excitement, Miles? <laughs> Wouldst thou like to taste of butter? <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, so it just I think that gives this movie a different feel because I think the the ending, the theatrical ending, they're flirting. They're like you know they're yeah. they're being bantery, and so it definitely makes you feel like oh Joel's gonna be all right. Well, they're, they're friends they're, now. Yeah, they're 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 humans. It's not mm-hmm. a call girl. So, like it's not like Joel's trying to get paid, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I th- yes, it's very big. In this alternate ending that the director won, and I think it's very much more like the consequences of the fallout of their relationship is felt more. Yeah. Like there, the there's actual more lasting consequences on Joel's character, right? Yeah. Where he he's now maybe that he's taken this risk has learned I can't trust this is everybody. The way things are. Right, I can't trust everybody. Like he yeah. throughout the movie, he trusts. He leaves his her in his house to go get money. This woman yeah. he doesn't know, who just wants three hundred dollars from him. Which, if you if adjust for inflation, is like eight hundred dollars. Expensive. Well, it's, if you want to take it even further, like the people I'm attracted to, I can't trust. Exactly. Exactly. And so. Yeah. He. He only is getting screwed over by everybody in this movie. Everybody he's putting faith and trust in Vicky, Lana, you know, his buddies who tell him to take a risk and it'll all be okay. And his buddies like, no, why'd you listen to me? You know, like Joel should have a trust problem after this movie. Like growing up is like learning that you can't trust everybody and you're going to have to solve your own problems (laughs) and people are going to screw you over, (laughs) you know? Yeah, um, I mean, it's a much more pessimistic way to look at this part of growing up grows and he he's not happy go lucky. Oh, like that was a fun. That was a fun little story I have now. And and like, I'm going to be OK. Like my life is still not ruined. Um, But I learned something along the way. This like uh, alternate director's cut in is more like he's irreparably affected by this yeah. <laughs> for the rest of his life. He's going to look at things in a different that. way. I think the twist on that and the maybe more optimistic twist, it's not always true, but I think it's part of growing up. Mm-hmm. You got to protect yourself. It, uh, it's not just that is you have to believe that you are going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You have to believe that you no, know, that you, you will make choices and you'll suffer the consequences of those choices, but no matter the consequences, you're going to be all right. Hmm. And and I think the fact that Joel breaks even is a yeah. good sentiment to that, you know? Yeah, like, not bad. I, I, I had this dream recently. And in the dream, uh, the only way I know how to say, like, I, the only, I have to tell you, like, the actual dream. I thought, in the dream, I was like, Dumbledore? Okay. 
Okay, so I was. I thought you were Harry Potter. Well, I was okay. So if you want to go, I, I didn't want to go into the details of the dream, like the super details. But the dream was I was Harry Potter, mm-hmm. who was as powerful as Dumbledore. Gotcha. But Dumbledore would not tell me I was as powerful as he was because he didn't want me to know. Mm-hmm. I could not know I was as powerful as Dumbledore. But I looked myself in the mirror and I had long hair and bags under my eyes, but I looked like Dumbledore. And I heard in my hear, I heard in my ears, the money will burn. The paper will burn. And I grasped for this gold coin, which was wisdom. And that would not burn up. I don't know the Dumbledore, I guess it's like a wise old wizard or whatever, mm-hmm. but like, the point is, you take risks, you live your life, you may not have financial success or, or have the superficial shit you wanted, but mm-hmm. you will learn from it and you will gain wisdom and that won't, that won't diminish. You can hold on to that. And that's how I feel. I feel like this movie inspires you to gain that kind of wisdom. Mm-hmm. It's not about the money. It's not about the money. It's not. A, this movie does focus a lot on materialistic things that we didn't really quite touch on in this conversation. But I feel like that is just a demonstration of like a childish look at success. Right? A lot of the kids talk about how we just want to make money. Um, and I that is a very he, childish way of looking at success. I, I, I have been trying to say this. I think what he learns with Lana is what he needed to learn. Mm-hmm. It's not about any anything else. Anything else doesn't matter. It's what he re- he learned about this relationship with this woman and how to be in a relationship with a woman. Mm-hmm. That's what mattered. Yeah. Seth, I think this has been a pretty great conversation about risky business. We've really, I think this is one of the ones where we shared the most about our, ourselves in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think because we both very much personally connect with this movie. You know, I think, you know, I might have been waiting for this moment for all my life. Oh, Lord. <laughs> 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 I was like, what's the next? Oh. <laughs> but thank you everybody for listening to the What's It About Film podcast. That was our discussion of risky business. Tell us what you guys think about risky business. Uh, and uh, we would love to share uh, uh, your thoughts and discuss things with you guys. Uh, go ahead and message us, uh, leave reviews, uh, whatever you want. Send us a, send us a, a, a DM on our Instagram. If you want to chat with us about these films and things like that, we would love it. If you guys would do that, the what's about film podcast on Instagram. Uh, it's time to talk about what's next, Seth. Yeah. So it's my turn to choose. Yes. And so Bob's burgers, the movie, uh, came out last week. I've just recently started binging. I was not a Bob's burgers fan. Like three months ago. I've never seen it. What? You've I've never, never seen, seen a single episode. You should. It's so good. It's it's like one of those acquired tastes. Like you mm-hmm. have to learn to watch it, but once you you're, once you're in, it's like. Mm-hmm. And so, I was thinking of other animated television series that have had their a theatrical film uh, release. Things like SpongeBob, Uh-oh. Hey Arnold, the movie, uh, uh, the Wild Thornberries, Rugrats, uh, Beavis and Butthead, South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut. There's so many of them out there. But 
I want to go back to one of my personal childhood favorites. Uh, there was a TV show that came out on the Disney Channel in 93 to 95, about 65 episodes of uh, first-run syndication. Um, I'll give you a, a, a verbal, uh, a, a, an audio clue, and you tell me if you, you know the show. Yuck! Ho, ho, ho. Um, okay, I know what this movie is. Yeah, there was a show called Goof Troop, and it followed Goofy and his son, Max, and they did a pseudo continuation of that show when they did a Goofy movie in 1995. Sarah's going to be over the moon. It's one of my favorite movies from my childhood. This is Sarah's favorite movie. This is her favorite movie. Should Sarah be on next week? If we can, well, I don't know if it's possible because she's going out of town. Or That's recording, right. so I don't know. I don't That's know. That's right. Oh god. I'll, 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 we'll see if we can figure it out. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> so everybody that's watching along at home, uh, we on the What's It About Foam cut we on the What's It About Foam podcast will be discussing a goofy movie for our next episode. So if you want to watch, I am very tongue twisted at the end here. It's because it's late. We usually do these in the morning. <laughs> uh, if you want to watch along with us, uh, the a goofy movie is available on Disney Plus, Google Play Movies, Vudu, Apple TV, YouTube, and Amazon Prime. Uh, so you can go to any of those places and watch a goofy movie. Uh, and you can tell us what you think a goofy movie is about. Uh, thank you, Seth, for being here tonight and for uh, doing our show late. I know it's really late it was for you. Pleasure. I mean, this That's... is. It was a pleasure. This is this movie. I could talk about this movie indefinitely maybe we'll revisit <laughs> we haven't done one yet where we've gone back uh but we've well, talked about it let's get let's get a, a good 200 in before we do that we're at like 21 you telling me we yeah. can't already go back and revisit at 21 i'm saying in four years let's go back and revisit <laughs> okay <laughs> so yes everybody we'll be watching a goofy movie if you want to watch along with us seth thank you so much for being here tonight again it's late for you so thank you so much for your patience uh where can people find you my man uh, you can find me at the Birdie Word on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Instagram as Seth Adam Crow, um, and I have a podcast, sort of. I, it's gonna be it's gonna be a thing. It's gonna be a thing. It's gonna uh, be a thing. the Crowcast uh, on Spotify and Apple Music. It's the Crowcast one word C R O W E C A S T. And you know what? Stay tuned because there Ooh. might be music in the future. Ooh, okay. Uh, and I am Ricardo Blade Diaz. You can find me at Ricardo Blade Diaz on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, you can also find the What's It About? What's It About? Film podcast at What's It About Podcast on Instagram. So you can go ahead and find us there. You can also catch all of our episodes on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just go ahead and Google What's It About with a question mark and an exclamation point and then film podcast. You'll be able to find us there. Uh, and you can find both Seth and I uh, on the character player Dungeons and Dragons stream. You can find that on Twitch and YouTube in video form, or you can find us on the podcast version of the show. Again, also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts is character player. And we are currently in our misfits of the multiverse uh, campaign right now, where we are a bunch of super duper chaotic insane characters that are traveling through the multiverse and getting into a lot of trouble all the freaking time so that sounds like a lot of fun in chicken suits some of us are in chicken suits 
<laughs> yeah, that's actually actually something that's going on right now. So if that sounds like a lot of fun to you guys, again, follow us at Character Player, just like it sounds, on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and Twitch, and YouTube. Thank you so much, everybody out there, for listening uh, and uh, going on this adventure of figuring out what is it all about. Uh, thank you so much for the from the What's It About Film podcast. We will see you next time. Bye. Adios.